<laughs> so everything expressed from this moment on is my opinion and my opinion alone, not on behalf of Castle Key Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky, DSPKY18. All right, now we got the legal out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. I'm Jake C. And tonight, yeah, we got Wilson Torres with us uh, from representing Castle and Key to some degree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we're really glad to have you. Uh, this has been a few weeks in the making, uh, so it's good to actually get to sit down with you and uh, talk about Castle and Key a little bit. Um, I think uh, we're all drinking uh, the Gold Eagle Restoration Rye Pick. Yeah. Uh, Except for uh, Dan, I, I'm not because he doesn't uh, have it. Actually, not either. <laughs> oh, you're not either. Okay. I, I I technically not even drinking Castle and Key right now, and. I have Dude, a strong to say that I have a well. So Jake, Jake just said to lie and say that I was drinking oh, it, no. and I had a better. I don't. I don't want to lie to our tens of listeners. Uh, <laughs> if you listened last week, I was drinking a hot toddy because I was sick, and I'm still sick, so I'm still drinking James Pepper 1776 because it was at one time a medicinal whiskey. I've been drinking it for a week. I'm still sick, and I'm starting to question and wonder if medicinal whiskey was actually really helpful or not, because I haven't <laughs> felt a diet better since. <laughs> so I don't know if it's helping, but I still like drinking it. And I didn't want to have, I didn't want to have Castle and Key Gold Eagle Barrel Pick taste like mucus. Like I'm fine, 1776 tasting like mucus for a night, but I didn't want to waste a good pour on a crap palate. So that's my reasoning. You can hate me or say I'm a liar or whatever. I'm fine with it. I'll take it. I'm also drinking water too, because my throat's killing me. That's, that's fair. You know what? I brought up the medicinal aspect, Dan, and I'm curious to know, was things of past, what was considered medicinal, was that proof down or was that straight? Was that single? I really don't know. They had some of the medicinal bottles there. I'm not, I, I'm a tour. I, when we were at pepper, I don't remember what proof was on it. Yeah. Um I can do some little research here in the background is Yeah, I I don't recall. Um if I had to guess they were probably like at eighty. Still for the purposes like, of being able to guess eighty or hundred yeah. more for sure. But yeah, mostly I mean, eighty probably. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know what was considered a medicinal proof, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't it's remember gotta every... it's gotta make you sweat. Is right. it all whiskey medicinal? I think. I mean, it was at one point. Now, since it become, you know, like, has Buffalo Trace always been the proof that it has always been? Or has, you know, Old Force always been a proof? I mean, why is there a long, is there, there's an array of proofs. Like, what was the original proof and why haven't we just stuck to a proof in that regard? Yeah. You know, that's I'm going to play a lot of devil's advocate because that's just the mother. That's fine. Yeah. You know, whiskeys taste better or worse at different proofs. and Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why we always release in vintage fashion. It's like, you know. We, we honor the barrel. We, you know, we respect mother nature and time and whatnot. So we want to make sure that, you know, what we blend, Hey, is it worth putting out at batch strength, which we'll, we'll soon start doing, 
or do we bring it down a couple two tree notches and, and bring it in something that is more you know approachable by many more you know so um you know the time at castle and Cayman has brought a lot of more questions than i've ever had <laughs> previous two brands that i've represented you know probably in in, in full in full fledged and effectively but and a lot of cool things have popped to mind and i'm just like i'm, I'm challenging myself mm-hmm. you know but that's one mm-hmm. part of our mantra you know so mm-hmm. honor history but at the same time challenge the very traditions of it so you brought up a great point how you guys release in vintage fashion and i'm a huge huge fan of that um do you know why you guys decided to originally do that or do you want to touch on that yeah i, I basically in a nutshell we just didn't want to get stuck like the other the, call it the big six you know they're stuck making what they make on the mainstream they can't make anything. I mean, they can make a shit ton of other things if they wanted to, but they express that in different forms. You know, uh, the Sazerac line. You know, you got your Buffalo Trace, you got your Evil Rare, you got your, you know, E.H. Taylor Jr., so on and so forth. And those are, but that's a consistently tasting whiskey. You know that you're going to get a bottle that's going to taste the same every single time. Mm-hmm. Our intention, again, is to refer back to what I just mentioned, was to provide you a consistent quality whiskey but with a different experience behind it. And that comes in flavor. It comes in, it just comes in through the five senses, if you will. You know, the intention was to give you that because every bottle of wine is different, which is why there's so many more wine drinkers out there that really can talk more about it and and really talk you through experiences because they always refer back to that first vintage that they've always had. We, as bourbon drinkers today, oh, I remember the first time I had Jack. We all do. Because it was coming out instead yeah. of going. <laughs> you dig what I'm saying? But with us, we wanted to make sure it's like, oh, my first experience with Castle and Key was, you know, batch one, 2022, call it. And then my next f- favorite was batch, you know, batch three of, you know, batch one of 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Well, because they're going to be consistently different, yet quality and well thought out. And what's wonderful is that we're still in our infancy. So that allows us to really, if we have to change something up, which we have to, we have had to just recently in our infancy, we were going into a barrel at a certain proof, but because of our proximity, we've had to alter that. We had to go a little higher in proof, you know, into the barrel so that we are not losing so much because of that, again, our proximity. So we wanted to honor those very things. We wanted to pay respect to the very, you know, that very proximity of where we're at, Mother Nature and time and so forth. So that when that does come to mature and it comes to time to start blending, that we did right by it. You know, so, nice. yeah. you know, so as winemakers have a respect for what they do, the craft, the history, the region, the country, the culture, we can do the same things out of Kentucky. So why not? Yeah. And again, Colonel E.H. Taylor Jr. did the same thing in his travels to Europe, which is how the old Taylor Distillery was established was the very experiences that he had in Europe when he traveled and he brought those back drinking beer in a German, you know, beer garden and, and uh, wine in France, eating al fresco in I- Italy, seaside and, and, you know, in Greece, you know, those, he took all those experiences and he brought them over because that was the experience he wanted to give. And he had the acreage to do it. He had, you know, the money to do it. He had the ambition to and passion. So that is why. Why wouldn't we honor, again, history, form a tradition, and now we're challenging that very tradition as Castle and Key today. The most impressive thing is how he brought Seaside to Kentucky. That was 
<laughs> where we're now Creekside. <laughs> yeah, Creekside. <laughs> so with the different batches that you guys have been doing, are those different mash bills, just different blends, different yeast strains? What are you guys doing in between batches, or is that something you guys can't talk about? No, we can talk about it fully. It's transparent. We have it on all our sell sheets and our tech sheets that we offer all of our distributor representatives and distributor partnerships, and especially our retailer partnerships like we have here with Jake. We are full transparent. And to answer your question, it is the same mash bill always. It is just the blending, the art that goes into the blending of that, you know, lot of barrels. We are at a capacity where right now we can blend anywhere between 50 to 80 barrels per batch. You know, that is our capacity because that is the app, you know. So we have to, you know, but at the same time, even, you know, you would think that because of that short run or that short, small, true small batch, you know, that it's going to be the best. Well, you know, we've had some batches that, hey, may have hit or miss and they're slow moving, you know, and then until that runs out, you know, our distributor's stuck in a sense where, well, we can't, you know, you can't just keep piling, you know, stockpiling batches <laughs> if you're not pulling through. So we have to really be thoughtful in, in what we provide our, our partners. You know, we have to be very, very thoughtful and we have to be very, very strategic, you know, which is why not everyone got the bourbon, which is why not everyone gets the same rye or batch. Well, because you're still sitting or, hey, you're just not ready for it. We're mm -hmm. not trying to be prima donnas or anything. We just want to, we want to set everyone up for success. We want to set, set up ourselves for success. Mm -hmm. You know, so that is the reason why, you know, uh, we do play with uh, different strands of, of uh, yeast. You know, uh, we do have some experimentals that we that we play around with that we're sitting on that we're, we're curious to know where they're at. You know, so it, but who we are and where we are in our, you know, in our existence allows us to be, you know, again, back to the, 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 the big six, you know, that they, they've been doing it for the last 100 to 200 years. So they kind of have to keep dealing with that. <laughs> that way mm -hmm. you know, to keep up with that, which is why they fill the 800, you know, the 8 millionth barrel with it and so on and so forth. <laughs> you know, and and I respect, we respect that. We mm -hmm. really do. But I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, not all, you know, the, the tide may, you know, raise all ships, but your ship is bigger than mine. In fact, I got a little tugboat. So, you know, yeah. So it just comes down to cool. Yeah, I love the vintage thing because I think a lot of consumers now are becoming more brand loyal, but they also don't want to drink the same thing every single time. They want to explore and try different things. Yeah. And this gives a castle and key lover a chance to collect and drink the mm -hmm. different batches and compare them side by side and kind of see how you guys evolve as you grow and uh, learn and tweak um, and whatnot. So I think that's super cool. And, I, uh, and it kind of it gives, uh, you know, differentiation between the bottles on the shelf when you go in and buy a bottle of buffalo yeah. trace uh you know who knows when it was bottled and how many barrels were in that batch um and you you just kind of assume automatically it should taste exactly the same every time when if you bought bottles from different years it might not taste exactly the same if you if you have a trained palate you can pick out those differences um, but I think this makes it a lot more fun for someone who really enjoys Castle and Key to explore the different uh, 
you know, whiskey that you can produce in a given year. And it's almost like a hybrid between wine and beer because wine, you rely a lot on the grapes and how the weather was to grow that year. Um, that plays into how that vintage is and relates to beer in a sense that people love a certain brewery and the beer, the brewery comes out with a new beer every week, every two weeks. Um, you know, your phase three is your hot butcher and you're going to seek out that new beer because um, you don't want your palate just to get burnt out by the same thing over and over. Um, but you mentioned that you switched up the entry proof. Can we did. You talk, can you talk on that? Is that for the rye? Yeah, is that for the bourbon? Uh, it's for both. Actually. Yeah, we, we switched it up. We were going in at a, um, at 110 for our rye and 105 or 107 for our bourbon. So wow. we've gone um, and then so, yeah, yeah, very low. But, you know, historically <clears throat> speaking, how many other brands did that? There were several brands that were going in low. In fact, there's still some brand. I mean, those very brands still go in low, um, I believe. Um, uh, I know Makers is like a 110, but I haven't heard of, once, I don't know yeah. if I've heard of any distillery going lower than 110. Yeah, 107. I'm sure we there are. Yeah. But. but we were, again, we are very thoughtful. We're very smart. Um and when what we do in flavor is our, is that's our objective is flavor, you know? So given everything as mentioned before, you know, our proximity, we're in a Valley. So we're six months, we're six miles from Buffalo trace to our West and then two miles from uh, Woodford reserve to our East, you know, with obviously with, you know, the stay right in between us. So that's kind of nice. Too. <laughs> I um, just went there for the first time when, yeah. I, when we were down there a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that oh, was so good. Things I love that place. So shout out to yeah. the state. Um, but because of that proximity where we're at along the creek and everything, you know, we have to treat our whiskeys. You know, if I may use you know the analogy of barbecue, slow and low. You know, uh, we have a brick and rick. You know, house. You know, our warehouse is literally brick and rick. That's all it is. Fallout our, shelters. Well, yeah, it's. <laughs> We go four high, 12 deep, and that's it. And we go that for four And stores. a million long. And a million, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Two football fields. <laughs> you know, there's one way in and one way out, and it's ridiculous. You know, it, it's, you know, but taking all those things into consideration, we, you know, we learned from laying down our previous, you know, uh, stillet into, in our barrels, I should say, that as things that were coming out as we kept tasting, it's like we're losing proof, you know. Now we're not into the proof game, mm -hmm. but you know, proof does two things for you. Obviously, is measuring the alcohol content of, of of your spirit, but at the same time, it it does have something to do with flavor to a degree. Uh, and considering our mash bill using white corn, that was a little nervous. Speak we were using white corn as our main corn, you know, heirloom white corn, as opposed to the yellow dent corn that is used by most, you know, and then our higher content of malted barley at 17 in our bourbon and, and then, you know, minimum 10 in our, in our, you know, I'm sorry, minimum 10 in uh, rye in our bourbon and then 20 in our rye. We, we really need to, we really were faced with a challenge here, which we put ourselves in, which we wanted. Um, so, yeah, so because of our losing, low, uh, losing proof because of our proximity again within that valley, we had to increase our, our entry 
improve in that way. We weren't losing too much and we were gaining more. Uh, not adding too much more water, so that's a good thing, um, which was a phenomenal thing. Our early distillates, taste-wise, the panel, we voted that it's actually a much more viscous distillate, uh, uh, considering, and a lot more complex, so that we hope that that, you know, within the next two to three years when we keep testing, and then four when we get to that mature, maturation apex for our rye, uh, at least, that we're right. <laughs> You know, but it's all subjective, you know, and it's, you know, and mother nature takes its course, you know, and that's yeah. thing, you know, so, so that I, I do want to, so. I'm sorry. I do want to play devil's advocate a little bit Absolutely. and say, um, you know, there are people that go specifically to look for, you know, the same consistency from bottle to bottle, um, yes. year to year, month to month, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so do you, have plans to release anything in that consistent fashion uh, or will it always and forever be uh, the vintage batch style? Hey, we, that's, that's, that's to, that's for us to learn. Um, who's to say that we won't, maybe that is the route that we'll take. Maybe that's not the route we'll take. Maybe we have gained a success in this fandom that Jake has expressed himself being a fan of already you know, liking the fact that, hey, we're going to get a consistent quality made product, but the fact that we're going to be able to come along on that journey as how the flavor has developed and or not, mm -hmm. you know, sorry, there's a big wind thing going on here. So we're going to get some flicks. And flippers. <laughs> All right. um, or do we play the game like the big, the big six and like, let's just offer it and hope that they jump on board and we have generational drinkers to come for the next 20 to 40 years, mm -hmm. you know? That is a question that we have to ask ourselves. It becomes more of an in, a strategic question than it is a production question. Yeah. Um, but we really do love where we're at right now in offering a vintage fashion form, um, because again, it really does continue us. It, I mean, once we can, when, when, once you stick to something, you know, Jake, yeah, you're done. You, you got nothing yeah. else to hope for, mm -hmm. except the fact that you want people to drink it and continuously drink it for the years to come. Sure. But when you still have that door open to consistently challenge yourself, and make the next batch that much more interesting, complex and or better, you know, objectively, of course. Yeah. I think that continue that continues the, the curiosity that continues the challenge and it, it continues that, that, you know, that journey, if you will. Yeah, that's a great question and great point. Um, but I, I for sure see the future drinker of whiskey um, especially the younger generation wanting something a little bit different each time. Yeah, we. I, I feel, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican by descent. Not that you knew that, or maybe I already gave that away. But, you know, my my culture is rum, and that's it. And maybe a Cuddy Sark here and there. Um, if you were, you know, drinking old style or whatever may be the case. Again, another reference to, you know, my upbringing, but I challenged that very culture of my own. And like, well, there's gotta be more than that. Cause you know, rum and Cokes, I got tired of, and they gave me headaches and I was just like, eh. so I, I ventured out, I came across whiskey. And then my first whiskey drink was a black label at ginger. Ale. My second drink was a seven and seven. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, just to give you again, cause you're looking for where, where do I fit? Where do I belong? Right. And then it was until I had 
an old fashioned and I was just like, well, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that was early on. So it speaks to that. So the generational drinker to Jake's point is changing. So it's not so much what was your grandpa, your dad, your uncles were drinking. It's not what you want to drink, what you find interesting, what you can, you know, within yourself say, Hey, I brought this castle. I brought castle key to my 12, you know, buddies and their girlfriends and, or I brought, you know, cats and kids to my girlfriends and their, and their sisters and, or their family might be. Okay. So that, that's where we're at right now. People want to be the first to be saying, to talk about shit instead of just like, yeah, I'm just going to talk about what they talk about. Cause it's easier that way. Yeah. yeah. I like it too, of you guys aren't just sold 100% on whiskey uh, yeah. that you guys also have some great gins and I'm not, a big clear liquor guy, but when I, yeah. when I went down there and did the tour there, we had to do a tasting a lot of different gins. Uh, and then I sat Creekside and had one or six uh, drinks that were there. Uh, the cock, I, I love the fact that you guys not are only just uh, do, do gin. You make great gin, but then I also like how you guys are big with cocktails. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite things we talked about this kind of, as we just kind of on the call, the Millville mule syrup, that you guys have of you don't need ginger beer to make a mule. You just, you need the spirit and then you pour that in and it's great. And I, I think that's like, it, it's kind of your guys' I'm guessing philosophy of just being, not just being a whiskey company of being a great spirits company and then creating an experience around that spirit. Yeah. The gins are damn good. Yeah. 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 Just adding on that. Yeah. yeah. I've talked to so many whiskey people who are like, I don't like gin, but that castle and key gin, I can sip that on a, on a hot day. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 and that was the thing, a lot of, you know, the misconception in regards to our gin and thank you very much for the kind words, because that's one thing that I truly pride, you know, myself and just proud of what we do in that regard. Um, And that, uh, what better way to challenge those very traditions of Kentucky distilling and, or, you know, American whiskey history that pretty much started in, maybe not started in Kentucky. So obviously started out in, in, on the East coast and made its way to the West, but what better way to challenge it than by making a clear spirit, you know? Um, yeah. And that's coming from a, you a, know, a liquor store guy and we get every distillery makes a gin. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wants us to carry their gin. Everyone wants- hearing about gins, but <laughs> you can talk to me about castle and key gin all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> You know, yeah. which he always gets, you know, first dibs on, on a lot of that, <laughs> on the second nature things that we do. Well, because he believes in it. And, that, and that's the thing. We really believed in what we had already in the barrels, you know, as far as our whiskey is concerned, to pay homage to the history of the very 113 acres you guys were able to roam and, and take a part of and really take in. But also it was an opportunity to really challenge that. So, and what better way to do so with the very distillate that's in the actual barrels? That's what makes it so unique. That's what makes it so fucking great, mm-hmm. you know, um, and using the very botanical, well, some botanicals that are native to Kentucky and those very, you know, grounds that you guys were able to roam, you know. Um, it's one of the things that I, I still understand, like, it's freaking unbelievable that we're able, that we're able to produce such an amazing line of gin, you know, gin spirits. You know, and then, of course, a vodka made with our bourbon distillate, which is unheard of. You know? Yeah. Um, but that, you know, so a lot of the misconception in that regard, going back to my original point was, you know, oh, you because they, they needed to keep the lights on. No, no, 
no, we, we didn't need to do that. You know, we didn't need to get into that game. We wanted to get in that game. We wanted mm-hmm. that challenge. Again, we're a young, young company. We're, we're going into our sixth full year of existence. You know, what keeps the light on is our contract distilling, our contract barreling, and our contract, you know, uh, aging and so on and so forth. That keeps that keeps some of the lights on, you know. Um, and then the gin is just, a, you know, it's just another it's another skew, you know, to speak language and, and another experience. But we knew that we had something cool because, you know, what, how we were doing it. Not so much what we were doing, but how we were doing it. And that came through not only in our verbal um, description of it, in our story behind it, but the actual taste of it. Again, we're all about the five senses and we're all about hospitality. We consider ourselves a hospitality brand. So what you guys experienced when you guys first got out of your cars and you got up to that front, you know, rainstorm blue, you know, door to the castle that's intentional you know that is intentional and then what you what you were able to hear what you were able to hear uh, speak of taste listen to touch you know that's also intentional because what better way to you know to show hospitality but allowing you to take all those things in but leaving knowing that every single five of your senses were touched and were affected you know and you can always go back and just say two words Castle and key. Yeah, yeah I, I think the coolest moment I had there was I was talking to, I think he was uh, either the, uh, one of the distillers or assistant distillers or something. And he, he was telling me that he had worked uh, on the train lines for a long, long time in his life and just kind of got tired of it and decided to leave and come work at Castle and Key. And his biggest take home was he's like, he's like, is it harder work? And do I, is it, is it an older building and do I sweat a lot? Yes. Do I get to work in a museum every day, though? Yes. And that was one of his take-homes. It was pretty cool to hear from an yeah. employee. Yeah. And, and you know what? And, and those guys in the cistern room and that warehouse crew, let me tell you something. I spent two days with them, you know, uh, the one day in the warehouse, the one day in the cistern room. And part of and eight hours of one of those days, because it's not just an eight-hour shift. They go sometimes 10 to 12. But I was lucky enough just to do eight. And I did it in warehouse B. And Warehouse B is that, obviously, the warehouse that we referred to earlier, Mm. 500 plus feet long, four stories high, nothing but brick and literally rick. We cannot use anything but manpower on on any of those floors because everything is still in its original state. You can't use a pneumatic pump. You can't use anything because it'll just fucking burst right through, you know, just (laughs) right right through those those wooden floors that are already warped and whatnot. So you're literally putting 550 plus pounds on your shoulders and you're in your hands and you're clocking it and you're rolling it. I mean, we're doing it like they did back in 1887 and then some, mm. you know, so it's, it's, it's humbling. Uh, I'll never fucking ever do it again. And, <laughs> but I can say that I was able to be one of those who did. And, and I love the museum thing. I never thought of it that way. I mean, I just, I just feel who we are is historic enough. And I told, and I text Jake this, you know, this very same message when when you guys got to to our to to the front door. I'm like, dude, take it in, let it speak to you. Really, just absorb it all because this is special. I mean, yeah. especially on the day that was gloomy and shit, because you guys didn't have a pretty, you know, pretty day. You guys had a gloomy day, which even made it better because I feel it just brings everything. Yeah, it was. You know, you know. So I was just like, hell yeah! I'm like, they're gonna walk away. If not already, you know, impressed. They're going to walk at least with an experience and something to, to, to remember and share in that regard. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you you touched on that your vodka is made from the bourbon distillate. That's correct. Um, and I, I'm going to say this, and I hope I'm correct. Otherwise, I'm going to look like an asshole. But I'm pretty sure that your gin is your rye distillate, right? That is correct. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I think is pretty cool. Um because that's that's not very common at all. Um, no, no, it's not. It's usually the commonality is to use a neutral grain spirit that you buy from someone else or make yourself. But we were already spent. We we already spend the money to make our distillate that goes into barrels. And you know, mm -hmm. why not use a very distillate and very you know material that we're already spending money on to to you know to continue you know to bring that challenge to you know forward. Yeah. You know. So and plus. Again, we're very smart. We're very thoughtful in what we do. So what better way to make a gin, which is a, it's an infused neutral grain with botanicals, but with something that already has an oil chemical characteristic or compound to it. Mm -hmm. Use, you know, uh, mis you know uh, massage oils, uh, essential oils, you know, cooking oils. I mean, what does that, an oil essentially is flavor. So what better component you know, or in carrier to use for botanicals and or flavors than oil, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that's how we came to that, you know, and that's when we knew we would succeed. Our roots of ruined gin are everyday gin that comes up to that's on the, on the shelf every day at one Oh six, as far as proof is concerned, not to boast, but I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. At the price yeah. point that it is. Well, I mean, for, that, that's uncommon for gins to be proved that general. high anyway. Correct. Correct. But what's cool is that, you know, it's, it's a gin that, that is number three on the Nielsen rating behind Hendrix and, and Botanist right now. Mm. I mean, come on. And that's, if more that people tried cool. it, I guarantee it would be. Yeah. It would, it would be. Yeah, it was, and so yeah. I'm thinking shit for considering our infancy and to be that high on a Nielsen, mm -hmm. you know, chart. Yes, Jake, I agree with you. Get more, it, get it more in front of people. I think it'll 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 start creeping up, and that and and that was not expected, but it is it is fact, and we're proud of it. Which prompted us to I'm like, all right, if we got this going for us, this is our everyday gen. Then our seasonal gen is just going to be that much special. Which is yeah, and it's it's very good and neat, very good in cocktails. That's kind of hard to find in a gin is versatile like that. Yeah, yeah. usually it's yeah. either one or the other. So agreed. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would have um, respected you more if you would have lied there purposely just so Jake would have seemed like more of an asshole. <laughs> like that's, that's 100% well, like, no, acceptable. No, I've never had a good cocktail with it. <laughs> no, we don't use Brian. Where the hell did you hear that from? Oh. <laughs> and that, you know, that's the thing, you know, we, um, I can, I can, I can, I can share this with you guys today. So finally, you know, I had to keep it hushed because it's something I've been working on for quite some time now, but it's been landed. So we will now be the rail gin at all Hampton socials, part of the, you know, of the Parker hospitality group. So we're looking at, you know, nine locations over four to five States now, you know, as far as the national thing, we beat out botanists by a shit ton, you know, and um, price wasn't even, Part of the conversation, it was just all about the flavor, about the, the versatility to Jake's point that it had. So that's something I'm really, really looking forward to, to seeing hit, you know, you know, the uh, hospitality uh, industry pretty soon here, hopefully within the next uh, month and month and a half. So it's really exciting. Yeah, know? that's awesome. Congrats. Really with, with the gin, are you 
also doing different batches with that and your seasonals or is your mainline gin kind of your mainline gin and your seasonals are where they are, but the seasonals could change based on trying something new in a, in a spring season or something. All three, um, essentially to start off, to answer your question, Dan, um, our roots are ruined. Gin is our everyday gin, uh, comes at 106, seven botanicals, four of which are native to Kentucky that we were actually found in our, uh, renovation uh re restoration of our 138 acres um and then we thought you know we've got such a great um concept here let's do a seasonal let's do a spring and fall every year and we started to do that um but then we found ourselves um in a predicament where it's like shit hold on that's going to put a lot on our partners you know that's going to put a lot on our distributors but we thought partners first <laughs> We did. I mean, because it's their shelf. Right. And every market's different. In Chicago, I can tell you that, you know, I wish, you know, they all had the space that Jake and up in at Gold Eagle does. You know, and where? You know, at Gold Eagle Liquors in Libertyville, Illinois. No, what, what city? Did you <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just want to hear you say it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought you were looking for a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for a plug, but <laughs> I like I like hearing you say. I appreciate it. <laughs> but that's um, I appreciate that. It's, it's, but it's truth. Not here in Chicago. It's crazy because everyone has different, you know, real estate, you know, layouts, and you know they can't keep it all. Although they they may do really well with our brand, but they just they just don't, they have rooms for two skews, two facings, you know? So sometimes you got to just like shit, you know? So we really thought our partnerships first. I, I mean, who would have thought that? Who would have thought anyone would say that? But I'm the first one to say it because that's how we feel. That's how I treat my independence because I firmly believe in it. And Jake can attest to that. I know he can. And I know he would because our independence to me are everything. Our small business partners are everything to us. So, that being said, we were like, all right, we took a step back. Let's look at this concept a little bit deeper. You know, aside from our partnerships, where does that leave us as the producer of such? Well, we also need space to be able to, to do that because you have to produce so much in order to, you know, service the now 20 states that we're in now. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get out of this. We started to, and then we we're like, no, let's stop. Let's, let's, let's keep. The Roots of Ruin, which is our everyday, that's our heavy hitter, that's our, that's our, you know, our home run for Grand Slam. Um, and then we'll pick two, if not develop one from here on out permanently for the spring, summer, fall, winter releases. However, but let's make it, you know, accessible all year round, not just during the season, not an LTO limited time release. Because that way, if it's in a cocktail with our non, you know, our on-premise partners, they're they're not just they're not copped out and they're not forced right. to purchase, bring on more than they need to, because they also have space limitations and so on and so forth, and expenditures and, and, and budgets and so on and so forth. Again, we're very thoughtful in everything we do. So we did that. So uh, our spring summer, um, as of uh, last week, will be um, the rise, which is a. A new it's 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 it was our 2021 spring release and we just we kind of tweaked it just slightly in proof or or some some way so i can't remember right i apologize but that's forever our spring and summer then our harvest gin which is the mr gray of freaking gins that are out there i put it up against anything it's so versatile that will be forever our, our spring summer 
I'm sorry, fall, winter. However, we will continue to uh, experiment and release under the Wool Gatherer branding uh, a barrel gin we just released uh, last fall. We we did something that was pretty cool at, at Abercore that's, Barrels. That's that what I want to see out on the market. Yeah. So you'll, <laughs> start, you'll, you'll see those things out of the distillery. And again, mm-hmm. if it's something that we feel could really, depending on the, the reception of it and how it's used and, and, and if we get some you know, feedback, unsolicited feedback from markets and whatnot, we will consider mass producing it. So as long as it makes sense, again, we have to be thoughtful. We have to be strategic and, and smart about what we do because we can't put ourselves out on the line if we can't support it properly and fully. Like mm-hmm. if we are a distillery a hundred strong and that's it. Six of those are individuals such as myself who are out in market every day, you know, you know, spreading the good taste and, 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 and sharing the good story, you know, and then, you know, honoring history at the same time. So. Nice. So I, I do want to segue to the rye. Um, Cause the rye is what, sold me a hundred percent on castle and key um at the the um i can't remember when you were out here uh, oh yeah last year last fall the first one shout out to brett connors yeah came up for that one which i ran into him at the distillery yeah because the uh um where we tried uh i believe the gins Um, and a couple different, um, restoration rise and the gold Eagle pick debuted that night, I think uh, last year. Um, so that, that's what I'm drinking tonight, uh, which is 120.6 proof. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a 2022 release. Um, this is like absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I know that you, in the last, Masterclass, which was in February, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you said that you guys aren't a single barrel, you know, f- uh, or at least that's not your priority is releasing single barrels. Um, mm-hmm. But I do have to say that this makes a really strong case for doing so. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the regular restoration rye is phenomenal. I've had... I think at least three different batches and they're all just excellent. Um, they're all very, uh, like floral, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, on the palette and have really excellent long finishes. Um, and I, you know, it's, uh, I can't remember what the mash bills are for the rise. Um, no problem. But it's, uh, it's consistent. It'll be consistent, but, yeah, the mash bill to um, to uh, r- refresh your memory, Jake. It's um, 63 percent rye, twenty okay. percent malted barley, unheard of, mm-hmm. and then seventeen percent dense corn, okay. uh, yellow corn. <clears throat> um, and that was per inspiration, because um, Colonel Taylor Jr. did not make a rye when he was mm-hmm. producing his his um, old Taylor bourbon obviously because he just made bourbon. Um, but we did come across some uh, glass flasks, pint flasks of his bourbon uh, with a 1917 tax stamp on it. And um, obviously we drank it and um, we had some reverse engineered uh, to give us the premise of what 
the how we can honor this very finding, but this very you know you know distillery of what it was into our objective of restoring it. Mm-hmm. So that was a premise for our bourbon. Um, because the reverse engineering, although they weren't able to give us exact amounts, they were able to give us what he was he used, and he used an heirloom white corn, a high amount of malted barley, and a very minimal amount of rye to the point it was almost undetectable. And also the yeast strand was undetectable. But we were, but when Vendome came in to retrofit what was necessary to start production in 2015. Um, they were able to find some cooling, you know, a, a engineering, uh, an engineering aspect of the distilling process or the transferring process that Colonel Taylor had implemented in a cooling tube, uh, some strands of yeast uh, that, again, oh. influenced our, you know, uh, choices of, of, uh, of yeast strand. Um, so the question then becomes, all right, we're honoring him by making a bourbon with white, heirloom white corn, high malted barley, minimal rye. How, what would a rye been if he had produced it? Mm-hmm. Hence the restoration, which was the first whiskey that we laid down into barrels. Because obviously oh, wow. as we know rye will mature much quicker than a bourbon. Will. Yeah. Which is still really fucking crazy to me. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. one grain. Yeah. The, the, the rye is incredible. I think the single barrels are very special, not only because of how good they are, but how different they could taste. Mm-hmm. I think I've tasted about five different uh, single barrel, barrel proof rise from Castle and Key, and they're all vastly different. They are. And they're all consistently good as well. Um, I remember the first time I went to Castle and Key, uh, we just happened to get there on, it was like one of the first single barrels barrel proof that you guys have ever released. And a couple of the buddies that I was with got one, opened it that night, um, blinded me on it and I should have put two and two together, but I had no idea. We, we all brought boxes and boxes. Yeah. yeah. Of yeah so like, <laughs> who knows what he's going to pour for me. So first pour of the night, he's like, here, I want you to taste this. So I'm thinking it's probably something he's had that he really likes and wants to show it to me, but it was the first taste of the castle and key. And I swore it was an old dusty wild Turkey pick. Um, and it tasted like bourbon. It didn't even taste like rye. And every, yeah, every single barrel I've had of the rye has, is so much different and they're consistently good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and, and yes, Jake are, <laughs> <laughs> we're not in the business of single barrels. Um, we are too <laughs> young in our existence to, I mean, we do have a single single barrel program, obviously, but that's not the focal point of our business. It's not our focal point of our partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, we just found that, you know, Brett Connors and and the other, you know, the other members of the tasting panel that, you know, when we get together, it's like, and but this is, you know, when we get together, we're, we're getting lots of barrels together for the next blend. But man, every once in a while, you're going to come across a really special barrel and it really needs to be showcased. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the existence of it. Very minimal. Right now, last year, there were only 50 barrels or 40 or 50 barrels that were considered single barrel worthy and sold. That's to cover then 16 markets. And 
I was lucky enough to, you know, to place one of those barrows with Jake at Gold Eagle. And then, of course, the other, you know, few throughout, you know, Illinois and into Wisconsin and then Nebraska and so on and so forth. So not, you know, but we also found, again, back to how thoughtful we are. I was like, well, you know what? Who says we have to sell single barrels? Mm -hmm. There's no law that says we have to. And, and but if we give in to demand, that completely disrupts who we are. So let's keep it exclusive. Sure, we yeah. Use it as a reward. And it's almost like when we go shopping, you punch in your phone number or your reward program, mm -hmm. and you get a couple extra dollars off certain purchases or anything. Oh, Jake doesn't get an extra discount for picking a single barrel, but Jake does get that exclusivity that he can boast if he wanted to, which he's not a boastful individual at all, nor is. Uh, you say that. <laughs> I, I, mean, better, I mean, I've only known him for four Boastful might not be the right word. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. joking. <laughs> <laughs> things were like, we use it Dan's jealous. It's a wee bit. Dan, why don't you boast about the Knob Creek pick that you picked? Yeah. Oh, we can yeah. do that. We can do that later. Okay. We'll let Wilson run. Let's do, it when, let's do it when you can actually taste it, though. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, there is, you know, but that's, that's a very good segue, though, Dan, because, you know, what we wanted to shy, what we wanted to say, stay away from was that we didn't want to do single barrel so that people can come and say, oh, I got a single barrel. I did this single barrel, that thing. But that's not what we're about. We're not about, we, we're, we're about, we're about you drinking our stuff consistently and, and often and sharing and so on and so forth. And single barrels shouldn't be because you wanted one or because you did one. It should be a reward, you know, for what you have done. And that is supporting us from day one. And that is buying into who we are and what we do and why we do it. Not just because we told you so, but you tasted so. So because of that, we're going to extend that to Jake is the only retailer. And I mentioned this at this last masterclass to have a second barrel pick with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, he didn't get it because I said so. He said it because he earned so. His, his support and his, and what he's done for us in, in his neck of the woods and, and that part of the state and that, and, and that, that flows. We know the reach yeah. that Gold Eagle has. That means a shit ton. Why wouldn't we reward him with an opportunity to? Why not send him an invite? Hey, we'd like for you to, you know, to take another, you know, select another barrel because that's what we do. We send invitations. We just don't facilitate, you know, requests. We send invitations because you're worthy. Mm -hmm. You don't go and, to the ball if you don't get invited. You dig? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. This bottle's so, been sold out for a while, right, Jake? For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty, like pretty quickly after it released, I think. Yeah, it, it was pretty quick, and um, we we have a hard time selling rye single barrels, even though I think some of our best picks we've ever done uh, were ryes. Um, but it's just the average consumer, I think, is afraid of rye because they're very polarizing, and we've talked about this before, how you can get so many different flavors out of a rye whiskey. Um, somebody might have had one rye that they didn't like and just assume they don't like all ryes. Um, Dan, uh, <laughs> what? 
Greens getting the shake today. So, so I, there's, there's, a, there's a long-standing misconception that I don't like rye. It's not that I don't like rye. It's I don't prefer rye. But there are some really good ones out there. Uh, and the Castle and Key one was a phenomenal pick. And that's one of the – I think the ones I have more of the struggles with are like the MGP 95.5 or very, very strong straight rye. Um, the high percentage of malt kind of cuts through a lot of that rye or cuts that rye spice down. Yeah. And I mean, that that's, I, I, I was one of the misconceptions or fell on that, that misconception of rye suck. It's just, you got to find the right style of rye that fits your flavor profile and something with a high malt or a high corn content to get some more of the sweet notes in there, uh, definitely help and, and make it completely different. And, and the restoration rye was early on one of the few ryes that I really started drinking. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I didn't start drinking rye until my previous brand um, that Jake also supported and did well with. Um, I hope he did well with. Um, It was one that I was just like, man, I was, I'm not one for rye, but holy shit, this is fucking stellar rye because it was drinkable. And mind you, it was 100% rye. So that's even grander than the 95.5s that a lot of us have experience with and kind of shy away from. But it's just a matter of the not the manipulation, but the, the process that you take with it, you know. And then now we graduated into a rye that, you know, that you know consistently since I felt I feel since the first batch of 2022 that comes in at 113 proof. What's really really fucking unique about that rye was that it was only four proof points or five proof points off batch strength. So. Mm. Minimal water going in, minimal water going into the barrel or into the bottle. And that you, again, the thoughtfulness that we are, the flavor geeks that we are, to offer you a, a consistent quality, but at the same time, a, a stellar, I feel, setting the bar for continuous releases of said, you know, rye from that point on is ridiculous. I'm right now sipping on um, batch three of 2022. It comes in, I believe, 100, is it 103 proof? Yeah, 103 proof. And the consistency of experience is there. And that's something that I like to mention. I'm all about, I'm I'm a very passionate dude, man. And I'm looking for experience. I'm looking for something to wow the fuck out of me. If taste is lacking, something overtakes me in that experience, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my vote because that's what I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? Personally, this is so subjective; it's ridiculous to even consider continuously debate about it. But <laughs> we do because we have fun doing it. We have a passion to do so. Mm-hmm. So I've have also have had the pleasure of trying batch one of 2023, and I'm like, holy shit! When do we apex? When are we going to apex on this? Mm-hmm. Because every barrel has an apex. You know, every yeah. every bourbon has an apex. Every every spirit has an apex. I'm, I'm like, when is this going to happen? You know, but I hope it doesn't mm-hmm. because I hope we still keep adjusting. We keep blending accordingly and keep putting out this consistently amazing experientials that we can offer you in a bottle on, on, Jake, on Jake's shelf and throughout, you know, the rest of those 20, those 19 other, con- you know, <laughs> markets because it's just getting so much more intense an experience, you know? like, yeah. I, I, Jake knows this, and, and obviously the 
Jake R also knows this. I never offer flavor notes when we do uh, tastings or master prep classes because it's just so subjective mm-hmm. and I don't want to lead you. I want you to experience this. I want you to get to the level where I freaking almost cry every time I do one of these because that's how much I fucking dig, dig about it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's so much, that's what's in the bottle. You know, I am the heartbeat of what effort <laughs> and physicality is going in because I ain't but I'm, I'm sharing it and I'm selling it. So it's just, I can, I, I can go on and on, man. But <laughs> Jake's next barrel, forget about it. Wait till well, you I take do, it. I do want to drive home. I already know. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in case anybody hasn't believed us yet about how good the rye was, um, <laughs> I think uh, you can kind of tell the the full story, but you showed up to the last master class with like a random barrel bottle. Um, and it was unreal. It was just some random barrel that you picked, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I have this, (laughs) (laughs) which is also kind of how we got our first rye barrel, but which is how we got our rye barrel. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing. I'm like, hold on. This is, this sounds like, Last spring, when we got together to pick your barrel, which was the first retail barrel in Illinois from Castle Key, period, that Jake and and, and Brett um, chose. Yeah, so let me uh, just touch on that briefly because that was that was a cool experience that I talk about all the time. Is we got three three barrel samples. How every or uh, not every, but most barrel picks work. They bring you three samples and you choose one out of three if you like one enough to pick one. Um, so we did our pick. And that was cool. We were having some lunch and Wilson pulls out another sample out of his pocket and he goes, you didn't do your pick. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you didn't do your pick. This is your pick. <laughs> he, pull, he pulls out a fourth barrel and goes, I drilled into this when I was at the distillery and this is the best barrel I've ever tasted from Castle and Key. This is your pick. Now, of course, we can't just go with it. Um, you know, anything that Gold Eagle puts their name on, we're very, very picky and we want to make sure it's something that we love and we'll stand behind. Uh, no matter if it sells or not, it's going to be really good whiskey inside that bottle. So we ended up blinding Wilson's fourth pick against the barrel that we liked the best. And it wasn't even close. Yeah. It was, it was unanimous. I think we had five or six people with us, but it was unanimous, uh, six, five or six to zero. Um, so in, in reality, was it, in reality, yeah. was it not close or was this like a Jake Sigelnick? Uh, yeah, this was really tight, but yet it was nine votes apart. Nah. <laughs> Dan, Dan, did you listen? It was five or six votes to zero. <laughs> That's a hundred percent. Yeah, that was a day because I knew I was just like, no, because I. He, they obviously have a phenomenal record, track record of, of picking great, great barrels from distilleries we would even consider or even we bypass and our, you know, our laps up and down the bourbon and the rye trail, you know, aisles and anywhere we go. So I just knew I was just like, this was something that I was, I thought I was going to bring to market under the 312 pick, but I'm just like, nope, this, he needs he deserves this he not that he needed it he deserves this so i'm like you got it this is it i can't i just i felt so strongly about it yeah, we're all um, happy but yeah <laughs> I, you know, I was happy i mean shit, I had lots of models, and then i was gifted a third so i was just like hey even better for me 
Uh, but this is Sheila, everyone, just so you know, my wife, Sheila. Shout out, Sheila. This is Jake R. It was at our last master class, and of course, you know Jake. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, but gosh, it, it was, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that to me, I actually, that third bottle that I had, I kept, and then I did a, um, uh, where was where were we that we did the last whiskey fest something anyway I took oh uh, Chicago Barrel Night yeah. is something that Chicago Magazine puts on every year and, mm -hmm. and very curated um, so fortunately I've been able to do every single one every single year of that and um, this past year I actually used that third bottle and I mm -hmm. it, that was what I poured as our special pour all night oh, was nice. that, that third nice. bottle a gold eagle pick. And people came back. There was this this uh, group of three guys, a dad and two sons. And I was like, where can I buy this? I'm like, you can't. You know, you can't. You, it's it's gone. And they're like, well, you you can't just do that. You can't just give it. <laughs> Tell us where to go. Tell us where to go. <laughs> then I had a, a backup bottle, too, because I knew it would fly. Niche restaurant in Geneva, Illinois. Mm -hmm. They were the first on-premise to do a, uh, a Castle and Key, which I, I love that they did. Um, I, I was so happy that I accepted the invitation because I just believed in their underground and I believed their reach. And I knew that they would do something really cool with it with um, behind the bar. Um, that was the backup bottle. So I, you know, I'm like, you can buy this one. And I gave them a taste of that. And they came back. She must have given them a thousand fucking, you know, at least half the bottle. In <laughs> I because almost it. gave them the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, tell us where to go again. And we kept respecting Geneva, Geneva, niche, Geneva, niche. And then, oh my God, all night. Anyways, but um, but the bottle to to Dan's, um, not Dan, sorry, Dan, to answer your question, but to also to refer back to uh, Jake Carr, um, the last masterclass we did at Gold Eagle, the last time I was in Kentucky, I was able to roam about uh, Warehouse B and I looked for rye barrels and I was just randomly drilling. And, um, and found this barrel um, that I thought was pretty special. Uh, and I had a bottle bottled um, secretly <laughs> and it was sent to me. Um, had it labeled and everything, so it's, it was kosher. And then um, <laughs> that was the bottle that I shared at this last masterclass. It was a blind barrel. Mind you, I just picked one, drilled, happened to be pretty pretty cool. <laughs> And I brought it to the master class, and we shared that. Then, um, luck of the draw, maybe, <laughs> or are we just doing that something that's fucking special, that very good, or that well? You know, right. I mean, it's, it's time will tell. Time will tell, and we're just—I'm just excited. We're very excited. Like I said, Jake's next barrel is going to be—I know it. I already know it. I already know which one is going to be. So. <laughs> the labels now. Good man. Submitted submit already. Yeah. No, <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening to part one of our interview with Wilson Torres from Castle and Key. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, part two is also available uh, where we dive into the bourbon from Castle and Key and uh, a few other uh, interesting things. Um, so if you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, please follow Wilson Torres at 312MADE. It's 312MADE on Instagram. And check out Castle and Key. Uh, their website is castleandkey.com. Thanks, and we hope you check out part two.